came to her, surrounded by strangers in that crowded car. I wonder if she was afraid. Still, I find comfort in the thought of her on the train, before we met. Whatever she did or did not do during that short journey from Providence to Warwick, it remains a moment suspended between the sad events that left her orphaned and the greater tragedy that lay ahead. A moment of possibility, even in its uglier incarnations, as I may write her life and death, as many times as I like, as many times as I can. It is easier to think of her as a character I have invented, a shadow without flesh or blood, rather than as someone real whom I came to love, and then lost. The choice of a coward, perhaps. A choice I have made more than once. We were good Christian people, and yet we have blood on our hands. I have asked God a thousand times how both these things can be true. It is only recently that I have begun to wonder if the question itself is flawed, to wonder if the problem is not, after all, an inability to know what is true, but rather a colossal misunderstanding of what truth itself is, and, more important, what it is not. It has been almost two years since I put her in the ground, but the events that led to Maria Cristina's death still haunt my dreams and waking thoughts. The loss of those I loved, the betrayals, everything I left behind. I want you to understand who I really was, what I saw, what I felt, and, God help me, what I did. I do not ask for your forgiveness. Perhaps understanding is enough. Chapter 1 Although it began in solitude and menial chores, everything changed that day, June 28, 1934. Dawn burst through the window and hurled itself at the copper tea kettle, sparking off of it like flint, but the sun quickly rose over the house, turning its attention elsewhere, and by mid-afternoon the light had begun to weaken. All I could think was, she's coming today. I did not yet know that Maria Christina's arrival would be, for some of us, overshadowed by that of another, a young man who was at that moment being gently caressed by the receding tide in Kingston Cove. These were our last moments of innocence. Had I but known, I might have savored the simplicity of the morning. But I turned mindlessly from the sink to the hardwood cabinets and back, until the last plate from breakfast had been dried and put away, then took off the apron Mrs. Hatcher made for me. I frowned, my mouth pursed unattractively, as father was fond of pointing out. I could feel the crease between my eyebrows deepening, but I didn't care. I tossed the apron over the back of a chair and climbed the kitchen stairs to take one more look at Maria Christina's room. I stood in the doorway and bit my lip, frowning. Will she like it? I wondered. I had agonized over this, such a small detail, really, which room to put her in. We certainly had plenty to choose from, but I felt compelled to get it right. I finally settled on the room next to mine. It wasn't the biggest, but the ceilings were high, and there was a small fireplace with a mantel in one corner with white oak panels above. It had a large window, and I knew that on a clear day, Maria Christina would be able to see the sun sparkling on the whitecaps in the cove at Ezra's boatyard, just as I could from my window. I hadn't done much to prepare the room for her, 
but had managed, with Mrs. Hatcher's help, to sew new curtains that matched the yellow squares in the quilt I had used as a child and which I had placed on the bed. The wallpaper was old and a little faded, but the small bouquets of yellow and blue flowers on a white background seemed hopeful. I walked to the bed and smoothed the covers again, though they didn't need it. There didn't seem to be anything else I could do, so I went back downstairs, my solitary footsteps echoing off the woodwork, resounding through the empty house, muffled only slightly by the white sheets covering the furniture we never used. The house was absurdly large for us, but Father had insisted we stay. He had told me years ago that if we carried on as if nothing at all had happened, we might avoid pity and gossip. I was no more eager for the town's scrutiny than he, but I thought we called attention to ourselves by rattling around in that old mansion year after year. I glanced in the beveled mirror.